number one, know your worth, but also have a plan to be progressing and evolving and growing. What was evolving and growing for you in your 20s could be very different in your 50s or in your 40s. Be aware of what your values are, what is important, what are your priorities, and then make a plan for that. Midlife Ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. Our guest today, Maida Pak, is a badass. She went from Wall Street to an international life coach for executives. And honey, let me tell you, this girl has lived all over the world. We are talking Paris, London, New York City. Damn. Shelby, is there any place that this woman has not been? I know. Right? And the cool thing, she was living life for sure in the fast lane. Hell yeah. I feel that, man. I feel like I'm living in the the fast fucking lane. Fast sure. and furious, baby girl. Fast and furious. You know, I am named after a car zero to a hundred and back down to zero. And you in are a car with beautiful seconds. curves. <laughs> Thanks, baby. But you know what happened to Mida? Life tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, girl, Mm. why don't you slow the fuck down a bit and handed her a cancer diagnosis? Yeah, that caused her to reevaluate her place in the proverbial rat race and gave her pause, you know, to reflect on what really matters to her. And isn't it funny how in that type of space, right? That's the space where you can stop and start to regain balance. And I think that's exactly what happened for her. She she stopped and leaned into that space so that she could regain her balance and determine how she wanted to live her life and how she wanted to spend her career. And so, so now she's using her career to help busy women and executives just like us. Mm-hmm find more Zen and to get fulfillment and purpose out of every last little drop of their lives and careers. I love that. I could definitely use more Zen. And you know, Maida is a typical overachiever. Yeah, she is. Very much like us. Mm -hmm. This girl holds multiple certifications and accreditations in life coaching, career, and corporate coaching. And she even holds a certification in health coaching. And it is her ultimate goal to help women heal their mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. And for those of you that are like Shelby and I, and you are leaning into this big, bad world, right? Mm. The thing that I love about Maida is how she takes this the subtle spin Hmm. for ladies like us in helping women find their feminine essence, even in these more masculine settings, 
that we find ourselves living and working in every single day. And then teaching women everywhere that, you know, we do not need to let go of who we are as women. And we can lean into our beautiful, divine femininity and still be relevant as women in middle age, women in the boardroom, women in all of the places we deserve to be. Hell yes. You know, women have been so conditioned to believe that youth and beauty is our only asset. But girl, we are frigging here to remind you that you are strong and powerful and with your years of wisdom and experience, you can totally find your place, your passion, your purpose in your life and work. And you can find yourself, right? (laughs) That's what we're all fucking looking for. Like, who am I? Right? Yes. (laughs) So listen, baby girl, if you woke up this morning and looked in the mirror and thought to yourself, well, who in the hell is that woman staring <laughs> back at me? You are not alone. No. We are here in the middle going through all of this crazy shit with you. And it is our purpose to stand together so that no woman has to brave midlife alone. And that's why we bring you these valuable interviews each week. So if you are loving our message, please leave us a review so that we can continue to share these juicy conversations with you each and every week. And now let's welcome our guest, badass, Maida Pak. Maida, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited about this conversation. We are are so excited. You have such a unique and wonderful history, and we're really eager to unpack it with you because you worked on Wall Street and Mm -hmm. spent 16 years in the financial industry and have lived all over the world, Paris, London, and now New York City. And I'm curious, and you have left investment banking and have chosen a career as an international life and career coach. So tell us a little bit about what drove you to leave your career in the financial industry and pursue a life as an international life and career coach. It's a very good question. It was, it was a lot of different circumstances. I think Mm. comes a time in life, midlife crisis, if you want, where, (laughs) you know, you've been there for a long time. And it's like, is that really what I want? Um, But here's the thing in finance, or what I found in finance is that there is a game going on. And Mm. finance is a game in itself. And so when you're trying to get out of it, it's not that easy, because Mm. you have a nice pay, uh, you have a very nice, pleasing identity. It's like I'm in New York. I work on Wall Street. Wow, that's you know, right? I'm not, I'm not unique, but it's pretty cool. And so it's one of those places where I had a kind of like push inside of me, as in, surely there is something more to life than you know this rat race and permanently doing the same things and reinventing the wheel. And at the same time, my brain was more like, 
well, what else can you do? You don't know anything else that's done. There's all mm. of this sunk cost going on, investing a lot of time and, and energy, and I have a lot of friends. So definitely it wasn't an overnight thing because in the meantime, I, I was diagnosed with uh, advanced cancer. Oh, no. And uh, it happens. It's one of those life happens things. And for me, it was quite literally just an inconvenience because I had a lot going on. And where am I going to find time to deal with that thing? So I did what I do is I just dealt with it and I continued working. I just modified a bit my, my schedule because, you know, when you're getting chemotherapy in your veins, it's not a good idea to be sending emails, especially that I had like studs and stuff. It's, it's, not, it's not a good place. But mostly I continued working at a modified type of rhythm, but same thing. And I could have continued like this for until I die sooner or later. It's going to be <laughs> but at some point I realized that I was not, my body was not reacting the same way it used to. And, and I think that cancer was the big contributor to that. Not so much cancer, I would say, but more the, the treatment, the, um, the, the chemotherapy. I, I wasn't able to self-regulate. Not that I was that good at self-regulating anyways. Uh, these jobs are a lot of reactivity. We're always mm -hmm. reacting to something. But it was more like, gee, I, I can't deal with the stress anymore. It's not, mm. it's not worth it anymore. The next time what's going to happen, I'm, I'm really going to have a new cancer if I continue that way. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really the impulse, but it didn't, it didn't come uh, from planning and, and brainstorming. <laughs> I wish, I wish if anyone who's listening today wants to change career or do something else, if you if you can have this kind of brainstorming and planning, it's much better because for me, it was a bit brutal, I have to say. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like there's so much richness to unpack there in a couple of things that I just want to shine a light on. You mentioned this urge or this feeling that there has to be more out there. And I think that's really something that this podcast likes to focus in on is this space and place where women in midlife do hit these barriers, sticking points, proverbial identity crisis. Yeah. Yes. And we go through the similar struggles. Now you had cancer, which I'm so sorry to hear. And I hope that you're on a path to wellness. You look beautiful and well and healthy. You certainly so I, do. I hope that's a reflection of your current yes. state. Yes, it um, is. Thank you. Good, good. Um, and I know that was your catalyst and that that, you know, was maybe a difficult transition for you. What do you advise then? You said, I wish if for anyone's willing to want to make that cha change or transition that they might do some planning, what would you wish that you could go back and do differently if, if you'd made this choice conscientiously? How would you approach it? Well, first, I think I would have worked with a therapist or a coach. I have to say that at that time, I I did not have time for this in my life. I was working very long hours. I was completely obsessed with work because mm. if I if I drop a ball somewhere, it was I was there were consequences for me, but for also mm -hmm. for other people. So I think it's it's really about sitting with someone. It could be a best friend, could be a spouse, 
need to be careful about best friends and spouses because they have their own issues as well. So not always the best advisors. But um, also sit down with yourself. I'm just like, what do I want in life right now? And mm. you make a conscious choice by deciding maybe you want to stay where you are because there are benefits to that. Maybe it allows you a lifestyle that maybe if you were an entrepreneur, you cannot have anymore because you know your income is going to fluctuate massively compared mm-hmm. to a life in corporate. There is something very pleasing about receiving this paycheck every other every every other week um but sit down and just like what do i want from life right now and then have a realistic approach of how you want things to unfold for you and for some people for example it could be something like starting a new uh, a new knowledge base type of situation where you go to school you, we have so much right now in terms of online possibilities right very easy to do it like before, even 10 years ago, we had to go and be in person. It's not that easy, you know, to tell them that your manager, hey, bye, I'm going to take it <laughs> to learn how to do accounting because I want to go out of here. Because so I don't like easy. you all anymore. Yes. And actually, there are a lot of fingers I would like to show you, but I can't do that. <laughs> it's not a good idea. But no. today, there is, there is there are ways. I, I find that we are given a bit more leeway and a bit more freedom to plan better. Obviously, if the time is right for you, there will be a push from somewhere that will say, okay, enough of this brainstorming BS. Time has come, just go and do it. Sometimes Mm. we don't have that, but definitely take the time to sit and be a bit less reactive as in, I, I work with clients who have a lot of trouble with people that that are their managers and when you when you dissect this a bit more you realize it's not so much the job they don't like actually they really like their jobs it's just the environment that is not the right environment but to get to that conclusion and, and without throwing the baby's water the bathtub and all of that take the time go inside in a calm way Explore your resources. What can I do with what I have? Resources being time, money, energy, knowledge, all of these things that a lot of women have accumulated, all women have accumulated throughout their lives. And then, okay, maybe it's a good time for me to, if you're in finance, there are a lot of possibilities to move internally. If you are outside finance, maybe sometimes changing industry, depending on what you are really longing for, there will be something in for you. And then you make the decision, but you make this as a choice rather than as seeing it as an absence of choice. Mm. I love that because, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll be straight. It, it feels like I live in this space of absence of choice related to me walking into my purpose. And and I keep saying me, I know I'm talking for Shelby as well. I just don't want to put that on her. So I'm saying me, but um, you know, we talk about this a lot. And while I know here in my brain that the options are there, that there are resources. There is this limiting belief. There is this fear of, you know, will there be enough if I step out into what I really want to do and, and walk into the places where I know my, my talent and my heart and my soul is really needed 
in this world and the places where I really was born to start to operate and live from. And just, I mean, shit, I'm just, I'm scared shitless, quite frankly, to do it. And so, (laughs) you know, I feel like you're like, just get quiet. I'm like, there's not that much silence in the entire world (laughs) to be able to overcome the amount of panic I feel when I start to think about this. Like, how do we, how do we overcome that? It's normal to panic. It's totally normal. Does it feel <laughs> and, normal? Well, it's, I mean, I would like for you to see that it's normal because it's scary out there. It's, it's scary in the sense where you have, we, we are given this perfect images and uh, these perfect images in social media with people who are, oh, I'm a coach and I'm traveling. Right. But there's a lot of work that goes behind that. There are a lot of sacrifices as well. But mm-hmm. there's also at some point the building up that brought them to that point. And so they panicked as well. They were, oh, crap, how am I going to survive? Um, Do I have enough money? Do I have enough that? So I'm going to start with what what is it that you're panicking about? And it could be different things, but it could be good to know what it is the panic about. Is it money? Do you have a fund? Then can you save a bit of money each month uh, in a separate account and, and call it your freedom account, call it whatever mm. you want. <laughs> and then after how many months of worth of salary in that bank account, would you feel comfortable mm-hmm. saying, okay, it's about time to leave? Is it a, an identity issue? Is it a skills issue? Mm. It could likely a lot of different things because I bet that once you are okay with the finance thing, you'll never be okay. But there will be a point where yeah. you need to reason with yourself. If you are okay, then there is another yes, but that is going to come up. Another yes, but. And then comes a point of like, okay, so I took all the trainings. I have the money that I need. I know exactly what structure I want or what job I want to go into. And now what? And this is when you know you have an option because Mm -hmm. there are no more obstacles and you only have yourself accountable for the choices that you make. But definitely I would not ignore the panicky side um, because this panicky side is going to come up at some point as well. If you decide to change career, you will have a form of of a purchaser of buyer's remorse at some point. Mm. My previous career, it was, you know, like the green, the grass is, all, is always greener, but with the, the uh, buyer's remorse, it gets worse. Like, oh, I love to have a nine to five job and now I have to work 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I used to love and be purposeful and it's like fast and fierce and useful environment. And now I'm in this crummy nine and five. Okay. I have plenty of time for work life balance, but I'm bored. Mm-hmm. So you need to know exactly what you are aiming for and why go through the panicky things what is really scaring me and some of them maybe are a deal breaker for you if if really i I mean we live in the us so for example healthcare could be an issue right if you cannot have healthcare outside the job and you have children and you have maybe another person on your plan it's very it's a very difficult uh, decision to make as well. So we need to go through the panicky and honor that it's survival. It's normal. We're on earth for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I really like 
that idea of really unpacking that and really trying to focus in on the why behind the panic and really getting to the root cause of what that is, because it does seem then to make that leap a little bit less, I guess, intimidating. If you really understand what is the root cause and you've been well prepared for it. Okay. Well, if it's the finance piece, then I have a financial plan. If it's the healthcare piece, I have a healthcare plan and to be better prepared for that. The one thing too, that I wanted just to focus in on though, is the idea of midlife. Mm -hmm. Because this age and stage is, I think, very difficult for, maybe even more difficult for us to make that leap because we have more to lose or more to sacrifice. I've got teenage kids that rely on me and a car, two car payments and, you know, college looming in the distance. And so being in midlife can be really, really a difficult place to be. And then there's also this, external narrative that may drive or contribute to what I think is maybe a bigger sticking point than some of the financial pieces. And, you know, I think that is our own fear of becoming irrelevant or that we have, we're depleted and have nothing left to give Mm. or to offer or that we are the negative narratives that we've told ourselves from childhood. We're not worthy. We're not capable. So how do you recommend we overcome some of those more difficult negative internal narratives that are less easily resolved than putting a plan in place? Yes. And I'm going just to say as well, it's not only internal, it's also the world in which we live is that Social media are making it a bit easier to, for women over 40, 50, 60 to be visible, but it's still not the majority. And we still see women in their 20s and it's perfectly fine, but that's not, that's not very reassuring when you start entering these kind of decades, especially in the workplace, especially when there is a lot of competition and it's global competition. And then you will always be compared to someone who's younger, faster and, and whatever that's life. So how do you deal with that? Well, number one is know your value. Mm. Is that I think in the world in which we live, there is a lot of this narrative that the, the yes, thank you. Trinity, Trinity <laughs> showing us our shirt that says know your worth, then add tax. <laughs> add tax. <laughs> That's why you go to Texas after that. Yes, exactly. That. <laughs> exactly. But don't come to New York though, because uh, right. Um, But but definitely know your value and your value could be qualitative, could be quantitative as well. You have a certain number of years under your belt and that Mm. is worth something. But also, I think as we become older, sometimes we feel that we are drawn into other priorities, could be having kids, could be a lot of different things. And we cannot lose the, the eyes on the ball of what has been going on. So definitely also keep track on technology and be on point there. And this is something you can do at the job. So for me, it goes to two things. It goes to number one, know your worth, but also have a plan to be progressing and evolving and growing. What was evolving and growing for you in your 20s could be very different in your 50s or in your 40s. And that's a very good thing. What you were longing for in your 20s was maybe to go to all the trendy rooftops in New York City. It's perfectly fine. Maybe that's not what you want in your 40s and 50s and beyond. 
be aware of what your values are, what is important, what are your priorities, and then make a plan for that. Because life is going to happen. The corporate world is not exactly very nice, I would say. I don't know what other word I would say. Very charitable, very merciful for people as they get older. And But there's a place for you. And if it's not in that place, it's fine. You will find another place. But again, it's about making a plan, knowing your values and and your worth and not apologizing for that. Um, I find that sometimes as women grow older, they become a bit more meek in the sense of like, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. blah. No, no. Your brain is still functioning 100% normal. Your body is functioning 100% normal. Maintain all of that. Continue having desires and wants and needs and just go and get them. And you'll have obstacles the same way at 20 you had obstacles. Women have generally more obstacles than men at any given point. There's always like, you're too young, you're too old, you're, we are resourceful, but nobody are resources. too much something out there. We <laughs> will always be too, too young, too old, too this, too whatever, too not enough time, too, too much time, too TikTok, why don't you have kids? It will never end and it's fine because that's their issue. That's not yours. Keep your eyes on your goals, on what you want and make a plan. Go through the panic stage as well, but understand as well that you have a place on earth. You have a place in your community. It's up to you what you want that place to be. So if your community says at, I don't know, like at 40, you need to have a short haircut and and I'm making that up and to wear white or whatever. If that's not what you want, then express it and just live your life on your own terms. You don't need all of that programming. There's enough of it like that. We don't need more. Yeah. And then that's an interesting also that begs an interesting point as well is that you have mentioned in some of the literature that you shared with us that you help women use their feminine essence to their advantage, even in these sort of masculine settings. So tell us a little bit more about what you define as feminine essence and how you teach women to use it. Yes. So we all have feminine and masculine traits. But for women, it's a bit different. First, because our energies are very cyclical and it's not the case for men. And second, we tend to have this nurturing aspect of, of ourselves, whether we are mothers or not, but we have a nurturing, we have this want to collaborate, want to be team players, want to have consensus versus men who have been more used to, you know, my way or the highway. That's not how we want to build the new earth in a way. Right. right. So you can, you can be, an executive, you can be a managing director, you can be a a top person in your organization and still be someone who wants to foster uh, the energy of collaboration. What I teach women that I work with is amplify what I call your inner leadership qualities, amplify this teamwork, amplify this wanting to have a consensual dialogue, finding consensus within your teams and what have you listening to everyone. At the same time, make sure you are not dropping your masculine qualities, which are making decisions, which are, it's okay to have a conflict, 
but you have the feminine emotional intelligence to respond to that conflict in a way that doesn't breed more conflict and more mm -hmm. resentment. So I think for both men and women, there is a way to work with our personality and our own biology so that we are not, so men, for example, are very good at using the anger that can be very bad, but they can use that in a very purposeful way. For mm -hmm. women, we can be sometimes shying away from conflict because it's not something that we sustain, especially when you have a kind of like a bit of a belligerent person in front of you. Mm -hmm. But there are ways that we can unwind this conflict that I find is very feminine, is more like, okay, let's let's sit down for a second and let's chat. And this for me is a very highly commendable feminine quality especially these days where you know we're going into recession or not i don't know there are a lot of layoffs <laughs> going all over the place right, nobody right. knows in which nobody in, knows where we are and so i don't want women to start shying away to start being scared of speaking up or, or stepping up quite the opposite mm -hmm. it's a good time because working in finance there was a report a long time ago saying that on trading floors where there were more more women than general trading floor people were less risk takers, less crazy risk takers and more into conservative um, type of um, logical way of taking risks. And I think there is a lot of this feminine kind of calming down things. And it's like, let's sit, let's solve the problem. Let's go into being more logical, but also in a way that could be a win-win. The mm -hmm. other side as well is... We talk a lot of work-life balance. It doesn't exist really because you have a job, you have to make to do the job and deliver. Yeah. But there's also a way to work with the feminine biology that is more cyclical. So finding ways during the day to pattern interrupt, to do other things, to invite more of a human connection as well. This is something that women this is very nurturing for women is to have personal connections at work, to have personal dialogues with other people, which is, I find that men are a bit less bothered with that. It's more like, this is the job, I do it, I go home, I compartmentalize and I'm done. Women tend to continue the work in their hands a long, long time. And so since this is going to happen, let's find a way that is respectful to your body and to your mental health while it's still something that is working for you and still keeping you on track to your promotion to the raise or to find a new job if that's what you are what you're looking for yeah that is beautiful i think um you know i've just i've, I've been in that seat so many times where i am been the only executive in the room who is female and mm -hmm. having to fight through, and it does, it feels like a literal fight, fighting through the male uh, tension. And it's almost like they're completely always like at odds with each other. And, and we're trying to find our, our way to fit into this space while not losing who we are. And so often when we allow our voices to become loud, when we allow ourselves to not sit back in the corner, then the result would be the men saying things like, oh, stop being so emotional. Mm. Um, I mean, things that you, you like, you can't, how are you, you can't say this to people. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. And so trying to find that balance of 
operating as a strong leader and a strong woman and not letting that be viewed as a weakness, but really enabling that feminine strength to be viewed as a strength and seen as the strength that it is, whether you are sitting, you know, at the executive table or the boardroom or beyond. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing to so the question is stop being so emotional. There are two things. Number one, men are emotional, but for some reason, being angry is not considered an emotion. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, okay. Uh, so true. And so this can be called out as well. And, and number two, for me, to one of my clients were working on that. And I said to her, just tell them, I'm right. I'm emotional because I care. And yes, I'm getting upset about it because I do care and I want mm-hmm. a resolution that works for everyone. And when you go into, you step out of the conflict, but you are still in the dialogue, then the other side of the system will have to adapt at some point. So they can continue arguing and whatever, but you, if you are the silent one and you speak up and say, okay, gentlemen, we're not going anywhere like this. Can we just stop for one second and go back to where we began and take it step by step. What do you want? What do you want? All of a sudden, your voice is the voice of reason. And even if it's emotional, it's okay to be emotional. What cannot happen is go and start shouting as well, because it's very depleting for, for, it's depleting for everyone, but men have this energy that they can auto-generate in a way. I think women don't, we don't have that. We don't like that. And so there is a way to self-regulate the emotional side, but also to regulate the room at the same time mm-hmm. and to be almost like the adult voice over there mm-hmm. as in like, okay, let's, let's cool down a second. Everybody is very passionate about their point, but right now we're not getting anywhere. So let's sit and let's talk. There is a place for women to do that. The, the other side as well that I find is that quite often because we don't like conflict, we tend to give too many concessions to the mm. other side because we want peace. So, the, you know, we fly, fly, peace. Um, and this is also something that needs work as well. And it, it's we, we're talking about self-confidence and it's, it's instilling in women the fact that when they make decisions, they are, they are going to make mistakes and it's okay. And they're going to be called out on these mistakes as well. Probably yeah. more than men, yeah. probably. And it's okay. It's okay. It's, you know, in your heart, you, you did your best. You made this decision after a consultation and you need to stick by it and not apologize and just go and do what you feel is right. And then accept that. And that is very difficult as well because there is a lot of people pleasing in women and <laughs> they, want, they want to be the nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see that all the time. And, you know, that on the topic of apologizing, I'm trying very hard right now not to apologize for things that I'm not sorry for. So asserting your voice and allowing your voice to be heard is is accepted in the corporate environment. And, and you're right. We need to learn that it's okay to have our voice be heard more often. You know, I think that though, too, when we think about these executives that are high achieving individuals, those type of environments are very stressful, whether we're working in the corporate environment. And as women, you're right, we are like clawing our way through the day every damn day. 
or whether we're operating as entrepreneurs and, and living and working out of our own home, it's a constant stress and challenge of figuring it out and what's the next step. And even though I think we try and give ourselves this freedom, if you will, by stepping into the realm of entrepreneurship, it can be very stressful. And I know one of your efforts is that you help uh, executives or high achievers find more zen in fulfillment and purpose. So even if we're facing these long days of you know, having to roll up our sleeves and work so hard in a corporate environment or even in the entrepreneurial environment, how do you help us high performers mm. achieve more Zen? I need more Zen in my life. <laughs> and, and let me just preface this by saying Shelby is not a high performer. <laughs> She's like a super psychotic performer. She does more in six minutes than I will get done in four days. Like it's ridiculous. What she is able to, I don't know how she does it. So she's like, she is way off the, the performance spectrum. Annoying me. Oh, which wow. is why I need more Zen. <laughs> I need more oh, Zen. You need more Zen. It's, it's more about, I'm going to say, as long as what you are achieving and producing is something that is dear to your heart, yeah. this could be your form of Zen because this is, this could be your definition of success. The same way for somebody else who is maybe in a job that they don't really love, but talking to a colleague is a definition of success. So I would definitely connect to what is my definition of success and how do I impact others or how am I impactful in, in what I do? For someone who is a height achiever, asking them to chill is the, the worst thing that can happen. Like, what, do you, what do you mean? It's not possible. Still, it's good to be in tune with what your body is telling you, with what your brain, if you're going to overdrive, if you're seeing yourself on the addictive type of workaholic, high achieving, then maybe you're not in your purpose, maybe you're not in your core, you're not grounded, then it's good to now to chill and take a walk before life forces you to do that. You don't want to go to that point. For someone who is a bit more maybe in, in kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing it. The Zen is very different because the Zen is giving them a purpose and then finding a purpose and something to live for and something to do as well. So I would say go into your core nature and go into why you do what you're doing. Does that make you feel energized or does that deplete you? If it makes you feel energized, then I'm going to say, <laughs> why do you need more Zen? You're good, but be in tune with your body. Is your brain saying, well, I'm not seeing my kids enough, then maybe it's not that energizing at the end of the day. But go into the energizing, depleting, and find your own balance. And then tools, there are tons of them. I would say definitely find a way to take a step back, to go into intro introspection if you're someone who is a doer, because the other side is this kind of like void that overachievers avoid, like the plague, right? So that is your teacher. Your teacher is in that. Other people who are a bit more like, yeah, you know, life easy peasy. I like living on the beach and Bali, whatever. Then maybe what scares you is doing something and taking an action. So maybe that is your teacher. So profit zones are different depending on different people. But I would definitely explore that other side that sometimes you're avoiding because 
Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit scary having to take a pen paper and write down, I don't know, like my life goals or something. Shelby likes that. That's her jam. Writing down my life goals is my jam, but I think what you're saying is super interesting and intuitive about looking at what we're avoiding as our teacher, Mm. because we've talked a lot in the past about those old fight, flight, freeze sort of patterns. And what I think sometimes, and, and to your point, Maida, I do believe that my overachieving is in many respects born out of passion for producing this podcast. For example, that is extra work that I put in, in the very early mornings and the very late evenings, because it's a passion project of mine. And so it does bring me joy, even though it seems like I am working more than less. But this idea of avoidance is actually very interesting to me because I do think that there's probably an element of that personally for me and that I, and I know I've traditionally been a runner aware, <laughs> like, you know, or when things are emotionally difficult for me, I find solace in some respects in burying myself in the to-do lists and the achievements and the goal setting and really aren't looking and listening to, well, why am I afraid? What is my emotional state right now? What am I running away from? What am I hiding myself, uh, hiding behind my work from? And so I think that is actually a really unique and intuitive perspective Mm. that I will take away as an aha <laughs> sort of moment. It's important to, I, I think we live in, in societies that don't like emotions. Mm. And so we yeah. tend to bury them. We tend to, you know, we, we tend to find all sorts of excuses. And sometimes there are explanations. They're not excuses necessarily, but all sorts of, of reasons why we don't want to do something or we don't want to address something. Yeah. And there is part of it could be just, supporting yourself you know it's not the right moment maybe if you're in the middle of a, of a board meeting having an emotional outburst or a emotional breakdown during that might not be the right time not ideal <laughs> not really <laughs> but avoiding avoiding this kind of like uh, truth in a way or or mm-hmm. dialogue with yourself and continuing lying to yourself is going to backfire at some moment or not so this is one of those where it's good to be a high achiever and take the initiative and just go ahead of the problem. It's like, okay, so I have been working way too much. I have like a lot of, for high achievers, there's a lot of perfectionism that has come. And this is a form of self-sabotaging. So where is my good enough? It's there, but why am I procrastinating by going through too many details? What am I trying to avoid? What am I trying to Mm -hmm. hide from myself? Mm -hmm. And the more you uncover what you're trying to hide and making peace with it, it could be like, yeah, you know, I I had a bad day with my boss or whatever, and I really don't want to talk about it. I'd rather, I don't know, like spend an hour on Instagram, whatever. As long as it's a conscious choice of avoidance, as in because addressing it is not going to do anything good for you, then it's fine. But it's like everything that we do in life is about creating these choices where we make decisions from a, a place of conscious, of consciousness, of purpose, rather than because we think we don't have any other choice. Because you can address it, but you are choosing not to. And there is a reason for that. And you're okay with it. Hmm. 
this mm-hmm. idea of conscious choice and, and consciously choosing that is, I don't know why that is sticking with me so heavily right now. We do. We shudder away these emotions. We shudder away these thoughts, these feelings, all of this stuff. I think that's, I, I'm really probably very good at that. Yeah, um, you know, and honestly, Trin, I think we often in Trinity, just to put some context around this, we work together in our day jobs as well. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I feel very much, and again, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I think that sometimes women don't believe that we have conscious choice. Mm -hmm. I think we do feel this sticking point. And I think I know I speak for myself where we are just on the verge of maybe stepping into this new space. And you're right. We have to dig in deep and figure out what is in fact holding us back because we have every bit of a choice in this matter. We could literally make that leap tomorrow But there is some narrative that's happening in our brain that says you cannot make this choice. Yeah. There are too many financial obligations, too many opportunities for failure, whatever is the narrative that we're saying in our mind that is prohibiting us Mm -hmm. from putting even a foot forward in that space. And so I do think a constant reminder that we do have freedom of choice in what we are doing today and where we are going is a really important point thousand percent. Yeah. And then we go back to, sorry, we go back to what we said earlier about having these panicky thoughts coming to light and understanding what, what they are trying to tell you. And it's, and again, if you decide that it's not the right time to make that, that step forward, you know why, you know that financially it's not viable, or you know that right now you have other obligations. Maybe you have a project that you're working on. But you do it from a place almost of personal responsibility rather than from a place of personal limitations. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an interesting distinction. And, you know, Trinity, I'm asking you, are you sitting in this place of feeling like you don't have a choice out of personal responsibility? Or that is definitely personal responsibility to the people, um, mm-hmm. the people that I lead, I feel a responsibility you know, in yes, some respect because too. they certainly could not survive one day without me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, right. Who could, but see, that's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, awareness point too, right. Is that true? Mm-hmm. We have to step back and ask. And I know too. it's not true. Right. I right. Know that so it's, it's personal not. responsibility, just a mask for. I think so. It's a mask for fill in the blank. I would say the only thing that is real is that I feel, I, I'm like, okay, I could stand to save up more money first. Mm-hmm. That would probably be the only thing that is that has any viable truth to it. The rest are all my smoke screens that I have in place yeah. to keep pushing forward. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's maybe something that we can work on then, yeah. you know, a, a, a next step for us then could be put that plan in place. Yeah. And really define more clearly what that looks like and start putting one foot in front of the other and working toward, you know, that goal. I love it. Gosh, Maida, you've just walked us through like (laughs) done. Thanks for the coaching session. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also Trinity going to ask you a question regarding personal responsibility is do you feel you need to be needed in order Mm -hmm. to exist? Yeah. I, uh, yes. I mean, 
on the surface, I would say, well, not at all. I could care less if people need me, but quite obviously that's not the case, or I wouldn't have positioned myself to be the integral figure in every person's life that I'm a part of. So we all know that, you know, yeah, I, I must feel that way because that's what I do. Yeah. That's, it's okay. It's okay. Cause we, we all have a bit of that, especially in the workplace. We need to feel needed because otherwise we are replaceable and a lot of different mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. but there is a form of detachment that comes from that as in I'm needed right now because of these are the skills and then you integrate the skills in your psyche and your value and your worth. And if you need to go and say, sayonara, I don't care anymore. You know that the other people will survive anyways. You yeah. don't need to be needed anymore because you know what your worth is. It's not an external. So it's not an external projection. It's not a projection from the outside in, but rather from the inside out. And the more you develop the inside out, And the more detachment and freedom you will find as well when you feel that you need to be needed to exist because you know what you're worth. You know that the the outside is just a reflection of what you are projecting to them, not the other way around. Mm. I love that. Mm. Maida, it has been a very enlightening conversation today. (laughs) I'm like, I can see Trinity's like (laughs) wheels turning. And I just really have enjoyed hearing your wisdom and your truth and for sharing your personal experiences and and being vulnerable with us. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was, it was a pleasure. It was a joy. I didn't even see the time pass. So (laughs) it was really very nice. Thank you for inviting me. It was really a pleasure and an honor of, of meeting you both and get to know you both as well a bit better. Maida, thank you for such a great conversation. Shelby, that was really, really good. Yes, agreed. Man, so let's launch on in to our top five takeaways. I am in love with this first one that, you know what? Sometimes life, it, it just pushes you in the right direction. And you are virtually forced to do something differently. It is like, no. Have a seat, bitch. No, get up, bitch. Like, move, <laughs> do the things, right? Yeah, for real, for sure. Yes. And, you know, then other times, the message to make a shift sometimes comes with a whisper. Hmm. And it requires more intentional planning. And I think it's important that we embrace it all. And however it comes, ensuring that we are positioning ourselves to listen. And then, too, when the time is right, it's so important, and Maida reminds us, to look inside Mm -hmm. of ourselves at all of our resources. We have the time, money, knowledge, and, you know, reminds us to choose our path forward from a place of empowerment versus this feeling of being stuck, this feeling where we are desperate where we lack choice. We can hold the power to make our path forward using the resources that we already have. That's right. And it's not easy. No, no. (laughs) But I know your mama said it like my mama said it, honey. Life is not easy. 
And you know what? Our third point is it is normal to panic. <laughs> it is normal right. to panic. And we see perfection everywhere in advertising and in social media, everywhere we look. But what we don't see is the hard work that it took into them getting to that place. So ask yourself, what is the panic about? And then tackle that fear, tackle that concern. Because eventually you will find that there will be no more obstacles and you'll know that you're accountable to the choices that you make. Yes, I love that. And four, girl, know your worth. Say it again, say it again, say it again. Know your worth. Yes. And have a plan to continue to progress, evolve, and grow. Mm. Examine that which you are avoiding. What are you stepping away from? Because that can actually be a very important teacher. Love that. And, you know, for our closing point, this is one, it's it's near and dear to me because I, I feel like, I feel like the universe and God and my friends and everybody, who knows, just this, this point continues to seem like it's knocking me on the head. And this is embrace your feminine energy in the workplace, leveraging your emotional voice and allowing that to become the voice of reason in conflict so that you can show compassion to peers and to colleagues when needed. And I'm working on this, y'all. I can't yeah. even lie. It has been hard for me because some days I just want to cuss everybody out. I can't <laughs> even lie. I cannot even tell why. Right. And then some days I do cuss everybody out. That's the worst part. And 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 I'm feeling that feminine energy that I love to live in slip away in those moments. And I don't want to be her. I don't want to be her. I want to be that person that supports the people around me and helps to lead the way and helps to comfort and nurture and create space. You know, and that really is so much about what we're doing here. It's about creating space for one another, creating space for our beautiful tribe of women that we are growing with here at the Dear Midlife podcast. And if you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, I want you to know that you can, you can come, you can come and, and borrow some of our confidence. Yeah. To with make, us. It, make it down the next mile, mile of the road and know that we're making space for you because we want you to be part of what we're doing that we are all doing this together. One step, one day, one year at a time, because <laughs> midlife is not gonna stop. Right. We're gonna continue to progress. So let's enjoy this ride and this journey together. Please go in and leave us a review, share this podcast with a friend, and know how much we love you. You are part of Team Shelby and Team Trinity, Team Dear Midlife. And we cannot wait 
to be back with you here again next week in the middle.